Hey, it's BK on the air here, just to let you know that this is a podcast rebroadcast. The following has been rated PG by the Motion Picture Industries rating system. Parents may consider that some of the program content may be unsuitable for children. Parental guidance is therefore suggested. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Well, you know, I've got I got so much to do today that I have no idea. I always say this too, by the way, and I mean it. I have no idea how I'm going to squeeze it all in into two hours. You know, when you have just so much information, and you have this trouble too. I'm talking to Alan Sanders here with me. Good morning, by the way. Good morning. You have so much information that you want to talk about on the air that you're like, oh, I'm just I'm I'm just never going to get to all this. Plus, I got an interview. I'm going to do this and talk about all the things going on in the news. And I got a rant to do today that I got a soapbox to get up on. So I've got up until noon to do it all, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to. I do hope it. it's a big enough box i'm probably going to join you if i know what it is <laughs> and, and and we'll even stand on the soapbox and even stand on our tippy toes too just to get that little little bit extra bit of height tiptoes a little bit more at a at a pull-up bar whatever i'm we're gonna we're gonna climb this thing speaking of that and getting up just a little bit higher did you ever see the movie uh suckers you ever heard of the movie suckers Mm-mm. there was a movie that came out by the same director called trekkies and it was basically a documentary on showing how Trek fans are and being very realistic about it, and they're following the lives of was a few of them and stuff. Was it mocking them, or was it? It was a little of both. I mean, it was mocking indirectly because he just let them be themselves. Because I think he's well, a Trekkie he... too. But them being themselves, you're kind of like, oh, jeez. Because there's a lady that went to jury duty in her next generation so, uniform. Okay. But that's what I'm talking about. Like that. As a documentary, I love what we call them documentaries. If that's, that means it's 100 percent factual, right? Yeah. You can choose the shots in the interviews, and if you choose sure. just the worst of the representation, there's a way I would to argue slant you it. and I yes. are Trekkies. Yeah, we're trekkers, if preferred But we term. wouldn't have made it and in see, that video. The, the, the nerd in me that doesn't like the term that the media came up with and using trekker proves that I am a nerd, mm-hmm. that I don't like the, the term that they came up with, but that's the term they come up with. But you're right, yes. Well, the, the point I was trying to make is the director, I can't remember his name, that made Trekkies, bonafide filmmaker, he's, he's, a, he's a director. He made a movie called Suckers, and it was, it was delving into the world of, use, uh, of car salesmen. Portraying them exactly how they are, what they do, the now shady way they do things like and stuff. Now you're triggering like a memory. Maybe you I may have, have seen it. Seen it? There's, I didn't there, remember the title. And, and when we said we we're going to get up on our soapbox, this is what this is what fired that in me to remember that. There's a sales meeting, and <laughs> they come in for the sales meeting at the at the car dealership in the morning. And he's like, "Everybody, get in here. We're going to sell some cars today." And these these people are idiots. They don't know what you're doing. You know, they don't know the fact the figures you've got. You can rip. He's basically telling them you can rip them off. They don't even know it because they're stupid. For the most part, they're uned, they're, they're uninformed right. about the way it works, about getting ripped off with percentage rates and down payments and giving you nothing for your car and stuff. Their 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 job is to make as much money as they can on the car that of they course. sell. You can't fault them for that, but if you know, you're just short of breaking the law, I guess, or ethic laws. But um, here's what he says: He goes, "Do me a favor. I want everyone to stand up." And everybody stands up. He goes, "I want you to reach up with your hand and reach up just as high as you can reach right now. Reach, reach, reach. Just stretch your hand, get on your tippy toes, and reach just as high as you can." Okay, you got it. Okay, do, do me a favor. Here's what I'm asking you to do here at the business: Reach a little higher. Come on, just, just, just go just a tad higher. There. He says, "See, you did it." He goes, "You thought you reached as high as you could till I screamed at you to go just one little tiny bit higher, and you did it." He goes. That's what I want, I want you to do here. Well, I think that's what we're going to do on our soapbox today. <laughs> okay. We're going to get up on it, but we're going to get a little higher because this is something's going on that made it's hard to ruffle my feathers. Now I get uh, my patience is running thin as I notice the older I get now. Well, <laughs> so, but something happens. That, yeah. 
So like, something's happening. You and I don't get mad. bent out of shape over whether one of our sports teams wins or loses. A prediction doesn't happen that we were hoping, we, or we don't a call, movie kind of fails. We don't that we call for the heads good. of someone because and, and for them to be fired and wiped off the face of the planet right. and to, totally re- remove it from the face of the earth. If a movie doesn't go the way we want, like a certain Star Wars film right. doesn't go a certain way, we don't call for the heads of the producers or anything like. We don't do that. We may not like it. Right. But I'm not going to go out. I got I got other, I got traveling to do and life to live. Right. I don't have to worry about being miserable all the time and do that. But I will definitely speak out when I don't like something. Well, something's happened that happened that I don't like, and I'm going to speak out about it today. And I don't I don't get into that too often on this show, but I'm going to get into this because it, it affects something from my childhood and a lot of people's childhood mm-hmm. that, uh, that 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 I love. I mean, we we, we kind of hit on it when uh, when they attacked the Mr. Potato Head toy and started rearing their heads on that. Then we got into it when they started to try to cancel Pepe Le Pew from Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes and stuff like that that we love. And it, this is from a beloved thing, and you already know what I'm talking about because we talked about it off the air. Yeah, but I love how we're teasing. And we're gonna, it's coming up. To, we're going to talk about that later on in the program. Also, later on in the program today, it's not all going to be soapbox stuff that I don't like. I'm going to have a guest come on today, a new retro friend. He's not new anymore. He's he, he, I've known him for a while now. His name is Thrash. He goes by Thrash Pondo Ponds, and you can look him up on YouTube as Thrash Pondo. He has, like Dave Sudstrom, retro pal that we've talked about in the past, and Pat McCormick with the Golden Razor TV. Like those guys, we have started kind of like this cool retro network of pals, retro pals we call ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we get together, and, and we've been doing some videos together. Well, most, these guys mostly do live YouTube chats. That's where they go on. They start talking about the things that they like, uh, about retro and nostalgia and movies and music and, and, and pop culture and comic books, things like that, you know, just about anything that we feel passionate about. But they do live YouTube video chats. It's where people watch them live, and then they comment in the comment section. It's almost like the new. It's like it's like talk radio, but on YouTube. Because on talk radio, when I'm talking, you can call and we can talk about it, stuff like that. The phones are working. That is, (laughs) (laughs) we'll get into that. That's a separate issue here with our phone lines. But they talk live as we're we're talking on the on YouTube about things, and they'll they'll bring they can actually bring your chat up and your message up on the screen as it's going on live and commenting on it and point you out and stuff. And it's always fun. It's a fun way to do. We talked to we did a, did a, a four way uh, retro palooza with those guys last time, and it was about filmation, the 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 cartoon production company, the the Saturday morning production company, and Michael Gray from Shazam actually was in the chat. So uh, it was they, it was they, great. They must have had fun. They did, and, and I told him about it. I said, listen, if you can log on during this thing, it's going to be really great and give a little air of weight to it with someone from Shazam actually in the chat. And it was so fun. We had a good time. Well, Thrash Pondo Ponds is going to be on with me today. It's going to be a little, maybe a little less than an hour away from now after the second hour of the program, just after 11 o'clock Eastern. So talk to him. I'm going to find out why he does what he does. Uh, he's passionate about what he does. He likes doing it like I like doing it. Um, find out where he's from what made him go from as a kid and what he liked and what influenced him just find mm-hmm. out we're going to find out what makes him tick put it that way you know and this is going to be close to the first break I'll, I'll mention a story that happened with a buddy of mine from across in the uk because we just happened to be chatting and he said to me the other day he said you know what's amazing you sometimes think that where you grew up that your ideas or your movies or your games or your your life was just yours and you think, it must be so different over there and so different over here. Yeah. And they said, then you start talking to people and you realize how much we all share. We've seen those same movies. We've yeah. had those same thoughts. We've, we've played the same video games. But you just 
until you open your mind and realize there is a big wide world. Separated by thousands of miles sometimes. And I think maybe our generation recognizes that more because we didn't have that interconnectivity. Exactly. But it's so cool to have that now shared nostalgic memory. Just finding out with you and I. You and I are a perfect example. You grew up in Michigan. I grew up in Alabama. Those are several miles, even culturally, away from each other. hundreds. Yeah, (laughs) several hundred miles, yeah. And you're like, you watched that as a kid? That's what I watched. You played with that toy? You played that game? Yep. So did I. You had a stretch Armstrong? You did that? Same thing. Well, we're going to find out that Thrash is even from a different part of the United States. So we're, we'll find even more about that when we come back. That's all on the show today. It's Retro Rocket Man. It's BK on the air. We'll return after these messages. They're the fastest metal cars you've ever seen. Mattel's new Hot Wheels. Collect them by themselves or get them in wild new action sets like the Drag Race action set. The stunt action set. The Hot Curves race action set. Get Mattel's new Hot Wheels. The fastest metal cars you've ever seen. Fisher Price gives your little fireman a chance to run our Play Family Fire Station. Out rush the firefighters speeding to the rescue. There they go doing very brave things. Hooray! <laughs> You'll have to jump. Back to the fire station safe and sound and feeling very proud. The Fire Station by Fisher Price. Never fear, Smith is here. back it's bk on the air here on am 1450 and 100.3 fm wbhf you can stream us from the website wbhfradio.org or download the free tune in or radio garden apps for whatever thing you use apps on and listen to us there or you can just uh, listen on the good old radio <laughs> if you're close enough to turn that thing called a radio on and listen to oh we, we, we're even on am the am dial 1450 and FM 100.3. So if you haven't want to listen the old-fashioned way. You know, I don't think, we, we talked about this before, I don't think radio, you know, despite what they tell you about streaming and apps and stuff like that and smartphones, I don't really think, if it's not gone anywhere yet, I don't think radio, the radio f- uh, frequencies are going anywhere anytime it's soon. Come on. You, they stick around for some reason, and I love that. It's funny you mention that, because <laughs> ironically, this came up in another... At a different station where they were like, yeah, we, we're on our third and maybe final leg, you know. Not really? Would, would FM kill <laughs> okay. AM? AM wow. still around. Would TV kill radio? No, we're still around. Would the internet kill radio? Well, we're still around. Like, But that's the third leg. Are we, are we really going to survive much longer? And I'm like, anytime a disaster breaks out, the only place you're going to find out what's going on is local radio. Yeah, because think about it. If something goes down, like with because because the internet goes down like in a heartbeat. But even it can, it can get the streaming and the internet, and everything can go down. But, but radio is that instant. We can just get it instantly on a radio in the car they, or in the house or something. It's, it's beyond even that. Like I'm not even worried about because the internet. Yeah. You, you may still use it to find out what's happening. But right. when in a, when a disaster, whether it's weather, whether it's a terrorism attack, whether it's right. whatever, 
You want somebody who's real time talking about it. Right. Not, oh, I'll download what they said a week from now. Sure. Or yeah. I'll wait for them to upload it. You want to know now. And there's only right. one place you're going to get it now. And that's radio. And, uh, brother, is that true? When, when uh, just a few years ago here locally, where we happen to broadcast from, which is just north west of Atlanta suburb, Cartersville, northwest of Atlanta, when the tornado came through, and it was one of them anyway, one of the ones that we biggest one remember, which was oh, just a few years ago. The, yeah. Yeah, and the, the, you guys were on the air Easter, here. It was a week, Easter uh, week uh, breakout. And you guys are, were at it here on the news, letting people know uh, all the recovery efforts and stuff, uh, uh, keeping everybody informed. Talking about road closures, great. when power was going to be restored. Sure. Area. That, is, that is the magic of local radio. So and everything else it. we do is magic. But that's why it's never going to go away. It's magic. It's just like magic. It's just and I'm like glad, magic. And I'm glad to be here, to be a part of it. And I and I love being a part. I love being here at this award-winning, award-winning radio station, which happens to be very, very old. This place started was one of the earliest AM stations on the air in 1946. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. There wasn't a whole lot of, there wasn't a plethora of radio stations in 1946 in America. Nope. There were a few, but that's that's a long time ago. I keep, every time I tell people, they're like, how old is your radio station? I'm like, well, we're, as, we're just as old as the Bikini <laughs> and my mom. Oh, because you you put those two images in my head. Well, <laughs> what's wrong with you? You don't supposed to say that. Yeah. What's what's wrong with you? <laughs> my mom was born in 1946. The bikini was invented in 1946, and the station went on the air for the first time in 1946. So there you go. I like it. How about that? Right after World War II was over. Got a couple of boobs on the air. The play. <laughs> What did Jackie Gleason say? One of the Smoky Bandit movies that goes, give me the old days when you referred to a couple of boobs as a couple of dumb guys. Right. A couple of boobs. Well, I got some news. We do have actual news on the show today. I know we were ranting and raving about other things, but hey, we'll get to a real rant later on in the program when we when we, when we uh, move on. I don't want to start off with it because I actually have something here that's pretty topical since Ant-Man is in the theater right now, the latest MCU Marvel movie. By the way, I think I read something, Alan, where Ant-Man is now the worst-reviewed movie on Rotten Tomatoes of the MCU. it managed to drop (laughs) below Eternals. And and I'm sorry, I enjoyed it more than the Eternals. I'll tell you that right now. It's more fun than the Eternals. There was no fun uh, quotient to the the Eternals at all. To me, it was a little too too stodgy. To me, I looked, when I watched the Eternals and it was over, here's what I thought. I thought, wait a minute. This seems like like one of the Star Wars prequels in its in its presentation and its and its uh, how it's like, it was how done. How did you forget how to tell a superhero story and to have fun <laughs> yeah. and have the Han Solo character, you know, right. to represent us in it? Oh, this is how I would react would be like Han Solo. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. So it ranks even below that. Well, since it's still out in theater, and I still say go see for yourself because don't listen to me. Don't uh, don't let me dictate how you think. Please don't let me do that because I'm going to rant later on the program about somebody, tr- people trying to do that. So stand back for that, what I was talking about. This uh, story uh, is uh, the headline is Paul Rudd shared an interesting fact about him and his son and Ant-Man. And I didn't know this. It's kind of funny. And I don't know how, how they how they did it or how, why he didn't figure it out. <clears throat> so as we come to this place, uh, AMC Theaters, you go, you, uh, AMC, and the, it's from AMC uh reporting this he's he's like we come to and see theaters to laugh to cry to care and if you're paul rudd's son to randomly see a poster of your dad <laughs> it's like uh-oh <laughs> what does that mean the ant what are you doing on the wall the ant-man actor has revealed that he let his son jack fully believe for roughly a decade and i don't know how he got away with this with a kid i guess it was he really tried hard that he paul rudd he let his son believe that he was a stellar 
movie theater employee rather than, you know, a beloved actor who has starred in some of the biggest blockbusters of all kind. For a while, a long time, that's what his son thought of him. Quote, I'm not going to sit my kids down and say when they're three and say, you know, I've got some DVDs to show you. He joked in a preview clip from this uh, last weekend, Sunday today, with uh, Willie Geist segment on, uh, I guess this was on uh, the AMC thing. He says, I didn't really explain what I did, unquote. According to Paul Rudd, the disconnect all began when his son was about four or five and went to the theater to see you know, a movie with his friends. He says, we were all going, and there was a movie poster that I was on in the lobby, Paul Rudd said. He explained, so they all just got thought that I worked at the movie theater, which I thought was very cute. He, th- that was what they came up with was the reason. Rudd said it took a few more years for his eldest son to finally catch on that his dad wasn't just an employee of the month at their local AMC cinema. Quote, I think when he was 15, he finally put it all together, unquote. And I'm thinking, that's pretty late to realize that. How do you keep all that from a 15-year-old kid? There may be a little embellishment in the story. Yeah, or there may be, uh, may, the kid may have had him going <laughs> a little bit by Maybe. putting it together. But to his son's credit, Paul Rudd added, he kind of fed into the confusion. Quote, I never corrected him, he said. In fact, he jokingly noted that he'd often tell him, quote, I work at the AMC Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Perhaps that's why Rudd's children, he also has a daughter named Darby, aren't too dazzled by his storied career or his frequent escapades within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it says. Quote, I, f- I think I'm dad more than I'm Ant-Man or in the MCU, Rudd po- uh, told people earlier this week. Quote, they don't care, nor should they, unquote. Well, I kind of agree with that at the end. That's kind of cool. So that's thought I'd share that little story since Ant-Man is still out there in the theater. And uh, all I all I would think of is like, oh wow, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, would be, I think, would be a cool dad. He just seems like a nice guy. To uh, but I don't know if he's going to deceive his kids like that. How nice is he? Does it? Do they lie? Does it? Do they lie to him about Santa Claus too? <laughs> Until they're a certain age. Think about it. That's the one of the big lie that kids get fed is Santa Claus if they someone chooses to do that. I don't know what you're talking about. And did you? <laughs> What are you talking what? about? There is, I, I, well, I still today, there's a, we go up to the north. Okay. We visit him. We some, say hello. Some of us even have his wife on our radio show and interview her. We You're did. Right. <laughs> right? She was here. She was, tu- you could touch her. Hey, just disregard everything I said. I'm just kidding about the whole Santa Claus Good thing. thing. It's a, <laughs> just don't even worry about it. I'm just going to protect you wanna, from yourself. I don't want to get you, <laughs> I don't want to get you any hot water or, or, or no, but dash you know what? your dreams. I think about dreams. this a lot. Uh, how do the kids of people who are in the jobs that are kind of, whether it's news media or, or you're a musician or you're sure. an actor, yeah, to them you're just dad. Yeah, And my kids, exactly. it's so funny because they, they used to get so upset that the teachers in the school would be like, I heard your dad this morning. And they're like, oh, I hear him every day. Like for them, like, whoopie doo, you heard my, d- guess what? You can come over to our house and hear him all the time. Oh, boy. Well, what we're talking about, we're talking about how, how fun would it be to have been Vincent Price's daughter and have Vincent Price read you a bedtime story at night before you, well, well to her, that's just her dad. He's not right. Vincent Price. But to us, we're like, Vincent, what's wrong, Alan? Vincent Price just read Three Little Pigs to me <laughs> and I can't go to sleep. In the the big bad wolf shows up to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Christopher Lee is your grandfather. You oh, know? my God. <laughs> How about Goldilocks tonight? <laughs>
No, Grandpa, I'm okay. <laughs> I saw Dracula last night. I don't need to hear you talk about that. So, yeah. So, we're going to have a good time on the show today. I got uh, I can tease because we're about to come up on another break here. When we come back from this break, we'll flash the audience the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. And I got some doozies today like I always do. But I got an extra one. I've been adding flash extras after we go through all of them. There's one extra one re- involving stupid kids and TikTok challenges. There's a oh, new no. one going on. And, and I like it because it's fodder. For me to talk about, I'll never do it. But I, uh, thanks to their stupidity, I have something to talk about. As long about, as there are really stupid fun. people, you'll have good things to laugh at. <laughs> oh, and that rant that's coming up—just wait, wait till you hear about stupidity when when we get to that. That's going to be fun. Uh, I got a story coming up about Pepsi doing a drink based on some candy things that we talked about not too long ago. That's available now. I don't know if I would ever want to drink that or not. Usually, when they do ridiculous things like that, like we have bacon flavored soda pop, I'm like. I, I, mean, I might try a sip of it, but I don't think it's going to be something that's going to replace my normal drinking things. I just don't know. You're going to add it to novelty. your daily regimen? Yeah. I, wanna, I, want, uh, I want grasshopper-flavored uh, lemonade or something. I, don't, I just don't get into that. Some of it's good. Lay's was doing it for a long time with potato chips. I mean, they were like, biscuits and gravy potato chips flavored or... or, or <laughs> It's like, well, come on, or the or the KFC, the Kentucky Fried Chicken candles, and the and the and the KFC uh, smelling croc Remember? croc shoes. It was, yeah, but they, yeah, they could smell like. Oh, you could throw a log on the fire, and make it sound like you were in the kitchen. Okay, like okay, so it smells like fried oil and chicken. Some, so I, and when I walk into a KFC and it's fresh cooking, and I I love the smell because I'm there and I'm anticipating it. Right. I'm like, that's fine. I don't necessarily want it in my house all the time. So I will tell you about later on today if I remember. We uh, we were in on vacation at Portofino at Universal, and they had a um, I think I talked about it before. They had a scent that was hooked up to their air conditioning unit, which pumped throughout the entire uh, resort. And we loved how it smelled. It was, and we're like, how do you do that? And we found the way to do it at home. Uh, we found the machine to do it at one the way at home, and she bought it. And our house smells great, like Portofino, which I think is great. We came there. On. Yes, something funny's always going on with the Brady Bunch. Gosh, hey, that's some special kiss. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. Uh-oh. They wouldn't get me into one of those suits, even if they promised me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation with Cary Grant. A funny Bunch, the Brady Bunch. Every week on ABC. It really works. Yeah, that's 
right, a little ELO for you, Jeff Lynn, being inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I'm always glad when somebody that I love in music gets their just reward, being a Grammy Award or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame <laughs> or whatever happened, whatever the case may be. We're always glad when they're included, and uh, we always are dumbfounded when someone that doesn't belong is <laughs> like, why do they induct that person and not my guy? That just uh, that just drives me crazy. A little Ma 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 Bell there one of the lesser known hits that they did uh, they delved into some pretty cool guitar rock there for a while in the early 70s before they found their nice harmonizing orchestral like uh, rock pop sound that they wind up with and uh, always glad to to showcase them it's time we flash the audience of the news the weird the strange and the crazy and the bizarre and it's all completely true and i think alan probably has the uh, oh, i do first i didn't realize you handed it to news me. i have the first news flash. <laughs> You do have the first one. You were going on such a roll, I was just sitting listening. I'm do you realize gonna... I do that a lot of times? I just sit back and I listen. I'm like, wow. You're the guy that listens. Well, you're kind of here. You're a captive I, audience, I, sort I, of. I don't, <laughs> here, you I don't have, have a choice. choice. You even have headphones on. All right. From UPI, a first-generation iPhone still unopened and plastic-wrapped in the box auctioned for more than 63000 thousand dollars for an unopened first generation iphone mm-hmm. wow okay well i guess maybe i should have saved mine but i can't <sighs> Why buy don't two. I ever think of that i can't buy two of anything it's like the sealed video games they find from the from the right. first issues of like a mario brothers or something like that who, who you'd think we'd know now that something's going to be worth something but sometimes we save the thing they're like that's oh no that's not problem. worth anything that's not worth anything we i know you that saved for a little it. while with comic books I'm like oh this will be a hit i'll buy two <sighs> No, I mean, I that's, that's the two. one that they reprinted uh, four or five right. covers for, and it's well, worth nobody nothing. cares about. <laughs> that's why they do that. Nobody collects. And you know, comic the comic industry killed themselves by doing that. They're like, oh, some of our comics are collectors' items. We're going to start releasing collector items, item covers, and release a billion of them. And now they're worthless. They're worth <laughs> like a quarter. Isn't it defy being like, a collector when there's so many right. everyone could have one? There's I guess a, you could still be a collector. There's a special reason things are collector, and, and people decide if they are or not. Right. That's the thing, the public. Well, let's continue this. Louisiana-based LCG Auctions said the iPhone, dating from 2007, fetched a high bid of $63,356 before the auction closed Sunday. Karen Green, the device's original owner, said she received it as a gift in 2007 and decided to leave it in the box because she had just gotten a new phone and didn't see a need to replace it. Wow. <laughs> Green, who operates a tattoo shop in New Jersey, said she became interested in the value of the vintage phone when she heard about another unopened iPhone selling for 40000 <laughs> Wow. Green took her the phone on a 2019 treasure hunt segment for the television show Doctor and the Diva and was told the phone would likely sell for 5000 the estimate turned out to be quite an underestimate An underestimate when the phone, which originally retailed for $600, sold for the over 63000 Green said proceeds will be invested into her tattoo shop. How does one know? That's the thing. You don't know. A tattoo shop. You think it's dedicated to the actor? <laughs> I don't know. Tattoo. <laughs> Could be. You know, there's a version of him on the new Fantasy Island my, watch, my wife watches. Really? Yeah, the new show actually is a sequel show to the old one because because the the new show, the lady who is in charge of the island, I think is Mr. Rourke, Ricardo Montalban's niece or granddaughter or something. So her last name is Rourke. So there is a tie-in, and it's not. I don't like it. <laughs> I just don't think it's that well done because it's, uh, it's just when not I the old show. When I finish at some point binging the old Heart to Heart series, I'm going to go to Fantasy Island. Listen to you delving into classic television. That's I'm proud of you. That's nice. And I haven't even watched Heart to Heart since it was on television. So you're ahead of well, me on that. 
they're digestible chunks that I can just kind of put on. Wasn't that an that was Aaron Spelling show, right? Yeah, the production. Yeah, that's I think I so. I got the next news. Is it? I think it is. I think it is. I gotta think about that. From UPI, a California man whose three point nine seven inch tongue earned wait huh? earned him a Guinness World Record said that he has found an unusual way to put his unique muscle to work. It's exactly what I thought. It's painting. I don't know what you're thinking, but of course, painting. Why, what other thing would you think of? Nick Stobert, who was awarded the world's the world record for the longest tongue for a male when it was officially measured at 3.97 inches from tip to teeth in 2012, showed off his unusual painting skills during an appearance on ITV series this morning, called This Morning. Stobert showed hosts Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby how he wraps his tongue in plastic wrap before dipping it in paint and using it to draw on a canvas. Also, the paint never never reaches his, touches his tongue, which would be toxic, I guess. The record breaker said that he had been given the nickname, i got to say this name right, Lacasso for his, like Picasso, you know, for his unusual painting method. He said his paintings have sold for up to $1,200. There you go. It's some making money with his tongue. That's uh, that's always good. As a painter. He's a painter. Lacasso. Nothing wrong with that at all. I don't know what the big deal I is. I have such a pun. I don't know what the I big deal so is. I have so many things I could say. I'll save it. And I will save it for the break. We'll record it at the break, and I'll put it on the podcast. I'm just saying. I would be able to do the, that. Move along. Move along. We'll, we'll digest it as we move all along. All right. I've got the next news <laughs> somewhere. I even got delayed on the news flash. I'm kind of shocked. I'm Lacasso. Yes. Lacasso. Picasso. I know. It's the same word. It's very Maybe. close. <laughs> From UPI. <laughs> it's a newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> a California man who visited the Disneyland theme park in Anaheim for 2,995 consecutive days was rewarded with a Guinness World Records certificate. Guinness World Records announced that Jeff Reitz, age 50, earned the record for most consecutive visits to Disneyland. Disneyland on the yeah. West Coast, not ours in Florida, which is Disney World, Disney the World. superior park, the bigger one, the better one. Reitz's daily visits to Disneyland began in 2012 and ended just shy of 3,000 visits when the park closed down due to COVID-19. Reitz, who chronicled the daily Disney trips on social media, started getting media attention after his 60th consecutive visit to the park, and he made international headlines in 2017 when he made his 2,000th visit and was wow. awarded with a backpack full of gifts by Disney officials. Reitz said he hasn't been back to Disneyland since the start of the pandemic, but he was hoping to make it in time for Disney's 100th anniversary celebration later this year. Now, we just had a mutual friend, uh, Brian Gwynn, who's on the program from time to time, and he's part of the uh, the Classic Movie Misfits podcast. They just got back. Him and his family just got back from Disney World in Florida. And in Florida. They just... He told me that the Guardians of the Galaxy ride is out of this world great. I'm like, how would it not be? Mm-hmm. So I have yet to ride that. I have yet to been. To, I haven't been to Disney in so many years. I haven't even seen Galaxy's Edge at all. I haven't seen any of that. And I really am not. I love. I would love to see it. But there's several reasons I'm not going to Disney World. One of them kind of means is is a financial reason. Yeah, I need because, to find out what Brian, what bank Brian robbed. Well, they they've got they have a um, different type of. Yeah, they're they're they have a little more of that green stuff than we do. Oh, they're, 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 whoa. <laughs> I didn't remember realize the, the last name was. Remember the Howell. comic book Richie Rich? 
Well, well, not quite that that much, but uh, they, they love they, they, it for they, fun. <laughs> do you want to put on jeans and a t shirt right. yes. and walk around as I a don't, common I person? I don't wear the same pair of socks twice. I have them, they go somewhere, I don't know oh. where they go. I wear them once and then they're gone. Oh, have you tried <laughs> this thing called the French fry? <laughs> Oh, I understand now why okay. people buy them. Okay, that's funny you should say that. There's a, there's a story, if you ever watch Inside the Making of Gilligan's Island, Natalie Schaefer, who plays Mrs. Howell, said Don Wells took her out to dinner one night. She goes, why don't we go down to the local uh, restaurant let's have a hot dog? And Natalie went, hot dogs? I've heard about those. Are they good? She'd never had one in her entire life. She took her to have one. They ate a hot dog. People recognized him from Gilligan's Island. And she, she goes, that was one of the best meals I've ever had. I can't believe they're so good. So she was kind of like Mrs. Howell in a society-type way. Ew. Funny you should say that. It's BK on there. We'll be back with one more newsflash. Have you been eating brandy peaches without the peaches again? After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. And if you look around these days, there seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper, we're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper. If you drink Dr. Pepper, you're a pepper too. Be a pepper, drink Dr. Pepper. Be a pepper, drink. Come on, you guys. The sun's already up. It's going to be a golden day. Let's see. Oh, those golden Grahams. Oh, those golden Grahams. Crispy, crunchy Graham Cereal family breakfast treat. Oh, those golden Grahams. Oh, those golden Grahams. Golden honey. Just a touch with Graham's golden wheat. It's a great tasting part of a complete breakfast for the whole family. Try those golden Grahams and have a golden day. Hey, Sergeant, you want some of this new Cool Whip topping? Later, pile. I'm getting in shape in case our Cool Whip contest winner's a girl. Anybody can win a trip to Hollywood and a guest appearance on the show. With us? Yeah. What a prize. Just send your name and address and the side label, or write the words Cool Whip on a piece of paper. Get full details at your grocer's freezer. Over a thousand other prizes, too. Cool Whip. Mmm. Pile! Pile! Shazam! It's BK on the air here. I do want to remind you that Thrash Pondo from uh, from his YouTube channel, Thrash Pondo Ponds, will be coming up live after the top of the next hour. Also, you can catch me. I actually did a guest spot with the Flashback Cartoon Hour guys on Facebook, and they actually have a podcast you can hear on Anchor. And uh, just check them out on Facebook. You can find out where to hear them. The Flashback uh, Cartoon Hour. And the funny, funny bunch of guys. It was great talking to them. They wanted me to pick my favorite animated cartoon from the 60s, a few from the 60s, a few from the 70s, and a few from the 80s. So that's what I did. I told them what I liked, what I liked growing up watching in animation. It was animated only. It was Cartoon Hour. And what was funny is um, Nick, the guy who was, was talking with me, he said, he said, yeah, I'm a little younger than you. And I'm like, well, when were you born? He was in the 90s. I'm like, you're a lot younger than me. But, but he recognizes the older cartoons, you know. So, you know, I think I picked one of my favorites from the 60s was uh, Scooby-Doo. Where are you? I mean, Scooby-Doo premiered in 69, so it counts as in 
or 68 or 69. So it counts as a 60s 69. cartoons. So I used to just remember that's my earliest memory of watching a cartoon was Scooby-Doo sitting in front of the television as a little kid and being mesmerized by it. It was awesome. The reveal at the end, the mask and who done it and the ghosts or whatever. And then we get into the 70s and I started mentioning uh, Battle of the Planets, the uh, animated G-Force, G-Force series. And I mentioned uh, Flash, the New Adventures of Flash Gordon from 1979, a lot of the filmation things. Uh, and then in the 80s, I couldn't pick what, the only one I could really, because let's face it, I, I, was, I, was, I was very truthful with him. When the 80s hit, I kind of stopped watching cartoons around 84, 85, because that's when you're, you're, in the, you're a senior in high school and you don't want people to know that right. you still watch cartoons. Well, I did secretly watch some still. I didn't want to admit it. But in the early 80s, 1981, uh, Black Star came out on CBS. It was a filmation cartoon, very much the precursor to... He-Man. Blackstar had the similar storyline. He had a sword and everything. Mm -hmm. Wasn't as successful, but I thought it was the better cartoon. And we also went into all that when we did the filmation Retropalooza last time with all our Retro Pals. So animation did play a part in growing up, certainly. I do remember uh, the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon in the 80s. I did like that one. That one was very good. And uh, there's one in the later but 80s. you didn't watch, like, Transformers or G.I. No, Joe. I never got into the Transformers. I never got to G.I. Joe. My G.I. Joe was the fuzzy-headed G.I. Joe from the <laughs> early 70s, the big the big f- figure. But uh, there's one came out in the early 90s, real early 90s, I think, called Exo Squad that I really liked. And it was a really great, it's like a syndicated cartoon of, like, it was, it was kind of like Robotech or something where these people would put uh, on these exoskeleton things and mm-hmm. fly in them and, and use them. And one you never like watched Robotech loader. when that never was? Never watched Robotech. See, oh, no, I see, I'd, Robotech. I'd lost interest at that point. I think the last anime show I watched was um, Star Blazers. I remember that one. I did watch that one, and it came along later. And even it's old. So, yeah, so check them out. The the Flashback Cartoon Hour. They have a great podcast. Well, I've got one more news to get to here before we move on from UPI as well. Japanese authorities are investigating the origins of a mysterious iron ball that washed up on a city beach. I saw this. Hamatsu. Now, the orb, they call it an orb, an orb. The orb, which measures nearly five feet in diameter, prompted police to close off Inshu Beach out of fears that it could be a mine or other explosive device, but then X-ray of the ball determined that it was hollow. Well, okay, I've got a theory about that. Two raised uh, raised handles on the surface of it of the ball led to speculation it could be a mooring buoy that came loose and floated away from its intended location. And the police say that Japanese military and Coast Guard are reviewing photos of the object to attempt to identify it. I think it... Has anybody thought... It could be a hollow Godzilla egg or a, a hollow egg from, from uh, Monster Island it, that's in the area. It could have floated to there, and if it's hollow on the inside, sometimes eggs will they'll become rotten, and, they, and, they're, and there's just nothing on the inside of them. Or if it's a small hole or if it got damaged, the, the fluid would leak out, and it would be hollow. It may not be Godzilla's. maybe one of the other creatures. I don't know. Rodan. Not, not, not King Kong because he's, he's a big mammal, so he wouldn't have an egg except for an omelet. He could no. fix a Godzilla egg for a so huge omelet. He, he could fix it. <laughs> he could. So there you go. But I think it says. I think it says it all that they're not exploring that. I think it might be that and they're just covering it up. And that's why they didn't. Let's tell just you. say it's it, big hollow thing, big orb. <laughs> oh no! See, I'm I'm I'll be canceled now for doing that accent. Right. See. <laughs> sorry. I'm I, no way. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. No. I'm not sorry. And uh, speaking of that, let's just go ahead and get into it. Why not? Let's start the rant. It may go over to the top of the hour. It may, we may have to revisit it after Thrash Pondo. So I want to start it now. We have to get on. We have to get on. We have so much time and so little to do. Strike that. Reverse it. This way, please. Roland Dahl, author, 
I mean, name some of his things that he did. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Charlie and the Chocolate Charlie and Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Matilda. James and the Giant Peach. I mean, classic, legendary child author. Mm-hmm. Even adults like them. I don't even like pigeonhole him as a children's author. I mean, they're, they're timeless. Well, here we go. This this particular story is from giant, giantfreakingrobot.com, but they're all over the thing. But I loved the way they, um, uh, the headline of this story that they put together. Roland Dahl censoring controversy ends with a win for free speech. That's the headline of the story, and that's just why I like it. Uh, it's, it's only halfway good, but it's halfway bad. After sparking outrage when Puffin Books announced that they were censoring his books, the publishing company will now release two versions of the author's classic stories. Well, you know what? At least we're going to have the classic ones So now you got to look for well. the cover. Original yeah. or... It, Sensitized. Right. Sanitized. Puffin Books sent the internet into a tizzy last week when they said they were going to censor the beloved children author Roland Dahl's classic novels. Now, according to Variety, after listening to the online debate that argued for free speech over political correctness and wokeness, Puffin Books has changed its mind and decided to release them. Uh, well, some of them will all have the original text. Now, while, while Puffin Books will release the original text, they haven't gone back on their commitment to also release edited versions that have redacted certain phrases that are now considered offensive. Instead of, it will be released alongside the newer edited versions so the readers can make up their own decisions on which version. Well, thank you for making letting me do that. I love it when I'm left to make my own decision. Now, while the author died more than 30 years ago in 1990, generations of children have continued to enjoy his books and the movies based on the stories. Since many of his novels were written more than a half a century ago, these texts are filled with phrases and language that no longer are considered polite. And to some, the original texts are no longer appropriate reading material for children ages 7 to 9, which is the reading group mostly of his books. That's the reading group they fall in. I would I would argue that all ages fit in there. Now, to fix this, here's the fix. Puffin Books edited out certain phrases like Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He is now described as enormous instead of fat. In the Twits, Mrs. Twit is no longer ugly and beastly, but just beastly. Gender-neutral terms have been added in places where Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's Oompa Loompas were small men... They are now small people. The cloud men in James and the Giant Peach have become cloud people. See where we're going with this? You hear this? Now, you, you understand you're taking all of the fun of my youth <laughs> and of the last hour I of cannot. being here. Yeah. And you're doing, well, you're, you're, you're tweaking it. We've got, an, it. We got it. We'll have another hour to go and thrash interview and stuff. We'll get it back. It's <sighs> okay. But I have to talk about this because it's weighing heavy on, on me. Puffin Books changed hundreds of phrases in 17 of, of Dahl's books to appease a market of parents. And is this, is this even true? Was there a slew of parents that came forward? We'll never know. Who wanted text to be more politically correct. In doing so, the publishing publisher's company ticked off many fans who took to the Internet to exclaim their displeasure, including authors, uh, saw, uh, uh, other, uh, other authors other than him. I mean, when you have other authors talking about it and not just the public... That's that's really uh, that's really big. We ought to change all of Shakespeare's <laughs> plays. What did he know? Sure, wait, wait. he didn't really write them anyway. I mean, what did they know? Now, to avoid any further argument and to remove themselves from the eye of the storm, Puffin Books has announced that they will release both versions. Now, Francesca Dow, uh, M.D. of Penguin Random House Children's, 
which overseas Puffin Books, said that the debate over the censorship of Dahl's books proved how impactful the author's writing has been. She explained that Penguin Random House understands the importance of keeping Dahl's classics writing in print, and while this, at the same time the company knows that printing books that are often the first that children read independently is a huge responsibility. Dow said that the publishing house aims to pursue Dahl's mission of turning children into readers through the stories the author told, which is why that's why they've decided to release both versions of his famous book. Not because a lot of people complained about it. They're doing it because they are deciding to do it. I'm like, I'm, I don't care for the reason. I don't believe that's the reason. I believe you are giving in to people complaining about it because... Who, who are those people complaining about it? People that aren't going to pony up money to buy them. So there you go. So I, I don't believe, I like her, I like why, I like that they did do it. I don't believe the reason they did. Right. Dahl's books have indeed inspired children and adults for generations, with many of the stories having been adapted for movies, television, and the stage. And as we well know, we just named some of them. And you out there listening probably remember quite a few of the stories that he wrote that were great to me. The two, the two. Now, now, I never, I haven't read any of the books. I've read, uh, I've read Frank Baum's original Wizard of Oz book as a kid, and I thought it was great. But I never delved into Doll book wise. But the movies are pretty good adaptations from my, what, from what I hear of the, of the books. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is the book's called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? It's the book mm-hmm. name. Can they use the book name for the for the remake, which wasn't that great? That one and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang are my two favorite of all kind all time. Even because as a kid, I saw them as movies mm-hmm. coming on television. And you and I spoke earlier today off air about the James Bond tie-in that that Dahl had with the the filmmakers of Goldfinger actually cast the guy that plays the uh, Goldfinger, Gert Frobe plays the king in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and the filmmakers who made the Bond films made Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's the same filmmakers and we'll have a tie-in with the birthdays today as well. And then Dahl wrote a screenplay treatment, an early one at least, I think, for for your eyes on uh, for, uh, yeah, You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice. The Mm -hmm. the last Connery film before Lazenby took over. He's credited in the opening. So there's a Bond-Dahl tie-in. So I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, if you change a phrase from fat to enormous... When is the word enormous going to be offensive then at that point? Right. Then that's going to offend people. And if I don't know how long this how much... to happen, when do we start going, you know what, you don't need to see the old Sean Connery Bonds. He didn't treat right. women properly. Right. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that being beneficial whatsoever. I really don't. I, now, I understand. Bullying people for a reason, that's a different story. you got to bully, then you treat you treat it. That's that's a punishment that needs to be dealt out. It's BK on the air. How does he do it? My dear boy, do you ask a fish how it swims? No. Or a bird how it flies? No. No, sorry, you don't. They do it because they were born to do it. And now, these messages. The Shogun Warriors. Guy King with rocket boosters. Great Mazinga with rocket launcher. Look! Godzilla! Is he friend or foe? You can decide. Launch his claw. Imagine his breath is a blast of fire. The Large Shogun Warriors and Godzilla. They're ready to strike when you are. The Shogun Warriors, Great Mazinga, Guy King, and Godzilla, each sold separately. Accessories not for use with smaller Shogun Warriors from Mattel. You can imagine the prehistoric past and the distant future coming together in one creation. Zoids. You can pretend that they're creatures from the age of dinosaurs or that they're futuristic monster machines. Each Zoid requires assembly. And though their appearance is strange, you can wind them up and let them move freely about your home. Zoids. Each is sold separately. They're made by Tomy.
Stand by to receive our transmission. That's right. It's me. It's me. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 at 100.3 FM WBHF. Transmitting. Oh, that signal's going to just keep going forever and ever out into the stratosphere. I mean, forget streaming. The radio thing is going to just keep traveling, and some some satellite's going to hear it like <laughs> V'ger and come back and go, oh, you're, you are responsible for this type of crap. You're going to destroy your planet, and the whales are missing. Why are they missing, too? So, uh, well, the time has come. It's it's, uh, it's time that we got into, uh, I teased this earlier, I've actually started a little network of retro pals on YouTube and out there in the streaming world. Uh, Dave Sudstrom, we've had him on the show and he's had me on his show. Pat McCormick was part of the program for a long time and still is in a limited way. We'll still hear from Pat from time to time. But another pal that I've made is Thrash Pondo Pons. He has his own YouTube channel where he likes to talk about a lot of the same things that I talk about on the radio and on my podcast. It's stuff that we grew up. It's retro, cool, geeky stuff. And I have Thrash Pondo via line. So he's on the he's on the Zoom line, which is come on and Zoom, come on and Zoom, on Zoom, the come right. on and Zoom. There he is. Hey Thrash, how you doing, buddy? I am maintaining a deep state of mental and spiritual readiness. How are you? See, now when, talking, when I'm talking to <laughs> when I'm talking to Thrash, I'm handicapped in my vocabulary, so he's going to pin me to the mat <laughs> for three count the count of three to to knock me out on all of that. Well, you heard the intro. I'm glad that you're finally on. Welcome to the program. Um, you have an, a YouTube channel where you go on. A lot of a lot of people are doing this now. They're doing YouTube live chats where you log on, you talk to people that like to hear what you say, which is great, mm-hmm. and you can actually throw their comments up on the on the screen. A lot of people that aren't familiar with what that is, it's live chatting stream. And uh, I'd like to know. I know that you are give give me an idea of how you. Well, where did you come from? What did you grow up liking? And what brought you into this world of wanting to talk about it on a YouTube live stream? Give us some history about Thrash Pondo. Well, you know, I could talk about myself for days and have, but ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a celebrity. Celebrities always had it great. You know, they always, they were on TV. They always had friends. They always had fun. I didn't realize what a grind celebrity status actually was. (laughs) But to the untrained observer... It always looked like a lot of fun, and I always wanted to be on TV or radio, and I was always super jealous of those who were. Dip ahead a couple of decades, I was actually doing, when I got out of college, I was doing some local access TV back when that was a thing, and I had my own uh, film review show, and I even had a cooking show with my boss from the Chinese restaurant. It was called Henny Cook Hao, and we actually auditioned for the Food Network. And before you can say what happened with that, well, we weren't picked up, (laughs) but I had never... Never forgotten the dream, right? I, I always imagined there would someday be a platform that would, would accept even people like me. And during the shutdown back in 2020, as I'm sure many of you folks remember, Massachusetts was kind of hit early. And they shut down the job that I worked at. So I was at home climbing the walls. As I say, you can only binge watch Game of Thrones with your wife so many times before <laughs> you need an outlet. That's right. And I was in my garage, bored out of my mind, and I built up my phone, and I go, I wonder if I could do this YouTube thing. I'd been a fan of the YouTube channels for ages. And I went on, and I made this quick guest post to myself. I had no idea what I was going to say, but but I meant this little post, and I sent it out, and I go, you know, if I polish that up and actually find something to talk about, I could probably go somewhere with this. And a couple of years later, I'm still going strong. 
Well, and you got a lot of people that like logging on and watching what you say and commenting on it. And you guest star on things like this with me and making new friends. <laughs> and you and I and uh, Dave Sundstrom and and the fantastic Pat McCormick, who I've, who I've been friends with for the long longest time, uh, all get together for now, which is kind of becoming a semi sort of semi annual whenever we want to retro pal loser that we do, where all four of us get together and we're, we're little squares on the screen like the Brady Bunch. Only there are uh, nine squares. We're just four. Uh, and I do mean squares in both ways. And we're all in there talking about what we like and what we grew up with and stuff that we have a really strong passion about. And that's the things that, that are in pop culture and music and comic books and television series that we remember fondly. Even things that people have forgotten about completely and talk about it. Alan and I were talking earlier about how the, the it's funny how the map where you were located you find out when you talk to people later, we've got friends in the UK and in Ecuador and, and, and all around the globe. And now, uh, and where are you located, Thrash? I can't remember where you're out of. Are you, is it uh, north the northeast? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So you're up in Cape Cod. You're in Cape Cod. Cape Alan Cod, was from yes. Michigan. I think Dave Sudstrom is out west, I think, somewhere in the Midwest. Utah. And Utah. Uh, Pat McCormick is way out in uh, California. So, But we all grew up in different places, but we all found out, hey, you watch the same things and played with the same toys and listened to the music that I did, which was not surprising as an adult, but as a kid it would probably surprise you. But it's amazing how we have such a great fondness for all these cartoons and these television series and even some things – don't you think it's fun when you bring up something during your chat or something and you, you'll, you'll mention something and maybe someone listening to the chat hasn't thought about that in 30 years and go, yeah, oh, I remember that. Doesn't that give you a little mm -hmm. kick? Yes, it certainly does. In fact, that was actually the thing that I noticed about my channel is that for some reason, people can get nostalgic with each other. In fact, up here locally, if you speak to a New Englander, my age or older, and you say, where were you during the blizzard of 78? You're going to get a story. We all remember the blizzard of 78, but on a national or even global level, we all remember things that we may not have been together for, or couldn't have been together for, but we all remember them. Uh, the moon landing, of course, is the acid test. But I remember I brought up on one of my uh, channels, on one of my posts, I brought up the Paul Lynn 1976 Halloween special right. just because yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I heard a couple other people mention it, and it was like the bloom. It was like this one notch down below the moon landing. Everybody remembered where they were right. when they were watching it, who they watched it with, what their favorite sketch was. And I found we could all appreciate something together, even if we had no connection with it at the time. And I think that's the greatest thing about YouTube is, is that you create these little communities. Well, you mentioned our, our great friends, Dave and Pat. And yes, we all get together and we reminisce and we cast this reminiscence out upon thy waters. And it's amazing how many more people want to reminisce with us. It's, it's, it's really a lot of fun. It's, it's touching. And it's really fun because it's a wonderful, nice community. You know, the podcast community is so nice. They're not, they're not in any competition. <laughs> they want you to do well. And they're like, here, I'll tell everybody about your podcast. Tell them about mine. And it's great. Uh, Thrash, you want to take a commercial break? Let me take a break and we'll come back and go for one more second. Can you, uh, one more segment. Can you stand by? I would love to. I'll be here. All right, buddy, stand by. We're going to take a break. Thrash Pondo is on the air with me here uh, from YouTube, talking retro stuff, how he got started, the stuff that we have in common and things that we love. And we're going to take a break. It's BK on the air, and we'll be back with more. We may all hit on things that you haven't thought about in years. It's BK on the air. We will return after these messages. The world looks mighty good to me. Becomes a Tootsie Roll to 
big yellow bike. It has 3,000 speeds. Wow. But this is my favorite big yellow thing. Kellogg Sugar Corn Pop Cereal. It's big. And that gives sugar corn pops a big yellow corn taste. Big, hmm? Real big. I make that big yellow corn taste part of my good breakfast. What's this? Hold on! That's the big yellow horn, son. Kellogg Sugar Corn Pops. Big yellow corn cereal, big yellow corn taste. John Blackstar, astronaut. Is swept through a black hole into an ancient alien universe. Trapped on the planet Sagar, Blackstar is rescued by the tiny Trobit people. In turn, he joins their fight for freedom against the cruel overlord. Who rules by the might of the Power Star. The Power Star is split into the Power Sword and the Star Sword. And so, with Star Sword in hand, Black Star, together with his allies, sets out to save the planet Sagar. This is his destiny. I am John Blackstar. By the way, I, 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 there's a video on YouTube. By the way, I'm back here at Speak on Year. Uh, <laughs> on YouTube, they break down the, the end title sequence of, uh, of WKRP that's playing right there. And no one's been able to figure out. It's all gibberish is what they're singing. They just wanted to sound right. Like, there's some words it. in there. Well, there's some but, words, but they actually phonetically spell out everything he's saying sometimes. And I'm going to do it live one day and just read it as he does it. And you won't believe the words that they've come up with it. But uh, talk about there's a show right there that influenced me to want to go to work in radio. I wanted to work in radio for years. And after all these years doing radio, I have found out that those personalities at WBH, uh, at the WY. Well, you said w- it. I said my station. See? <laughs> at WKRP exist at every radio station. And yes. it's true because the show was created by a guy from radio, uh, Hugh Wilson, right who worked, worked in Atlanta at WQXI and modeled it kind of off that and a lot of other people that he knew. Speaking of there, we're back. Let's join our guest back on the line here, Thrash Pondo Ponds, a uh, retro geek in his own right on his YouTube channel and a retro pal of mine. Hello, hello, Thrash. Well, Barry, how are we doing? We're doing good, man. We're doing good since the Excellent. commercial break. Yes. We have to pay the bills and then come back. And I take all out that out for the podcast. So we all More than understand. You're, you're, and you can hear me on the podcast, too. If you ever miss the show, just go to uh, YouTube. i got a YouTube channel, uh, Anchor, mm-hmm. Spotify, and SoundCloud. Just search for BK on the Air podcast. You can find it. And this guy is on the, his own YouTube channel, Thrash Pondo Ponds. Uh, it's amazing to me, out of all those TV shows, Thrash, that we watched growing up over the years, especially sci-fi shows. We've talked about Star Trek, Space uh-huh. 1999, even uh, other Jerry Anderson shows, kind of like UFO and uh, Six Million Dollar Man. Name name the old sci-fi show. There's a lot of them. How much of the stuff where now we're like, some of this is coming true. It's awesome. We landed a, we landed a probe on a comet a few years ago. And who thought? That's Space 1999 stuff back in the day. I never thought stuff like that would happen. And the, uh, the artificial 3D limbs that are being printed now true a guy can't pick up a car with it but it's still the technology i love it when technology is used for good and in a way like that and i think it's fantastic how about you 
I think it's absolutely amazing. I'm still waiting for that Mars colony, by the way. Uh, some billionaires keep promising it to us. I'm sure we'll get there eventually. I might be a little long in the tooth for a trip to Mars by that time. I'd still like to see it happen. And I want my flying car. I was promised that back in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. By the year 2000, I'd have one. I don't have one. So, But it opens up a whole new traffic problem <laughs> because the people yeah. that drive cars, I don't want them up in the air. It's going to be even worse. It'd be like Coruscant on uh, on Star Wars. That's all those traffic. Can you imagine the traffic reports on Coruscant at the, at the Jedi Temple flying over? Anyway, there I go. Boggles. It does. <laughs> but uh, but remind everybody where where you are. I know you're on YouTube, but mind everybody, you, you, you kind of adhere to a schedule. Of, of being on at certain times and whatnot. So kind of remind everybody out there what you do, when you're on, when they can find you, and what they can expect. Well, my live chats tend to be on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. I call it thrash time. That's Eastern Standard or East Coast time. <laughs> and I go on live at uh, at 8, and I usually stay on for about an hour and a half to two hours. All are welcome. Right. I do a little trivia game because I'm a trivia buff from way back in the day. We have open uh, question and answers, of course. Sometimes I have a, a strict topic, but usually we just start chatting about stuff and see where the conversation takes us. And you got some uh, of the best I, dad jokes I've ever heard. Oh, uh, would that's you all, like one? That's all. Yeah, you got you got to give me a good give me a good dad joke today while you're on the air. Give me one of them because Alan and I are both. I'm not a dad. I was a stepdad by. By you know, just at the end of two kids in college, but you know, I have a four-legged fur baby at home. You know, it's just a little dog. But get yeah, we'll appreciate it. So give us a dad one. Did you hear about the Neanderthal who invented the propeller? No, I didn't. Did you, Alan? No. no. We got to be the straight guy here on Vaudeville. No. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Really? He has a huge fan club. <laughs> and we actually did some of those at Christmas. Remember the the, the jokes that Mrs. Claus the, the, get brought the, by for your show? That was funny. Those are <laughs> just. I got. I want to give him a big hand clap for pronouncing Neanderthal correctly. Right. Well, you know what? I, I think Thrash even pronounces the month February correctly. It as is well. February. February. Yeah. It's not February. February, but everybody says it. <laughs> right. You said that. I got I, called you out. Got call, I heard Someone it. Goes, you got called out. Nobody pronounces the R. I'm like. Just because you don't pronounce it doesn't mean you weren't supposed to. That's right. It's not a silent P. Exactly. <laughs> and that's true. Sorry. <laughs> so funny you mentioned pronunciation. Because here's a funny story here. When I was a kid, a little kid, I had a, a modest speech impediment and went to some classes and stuff when I was in school. But I found the best way to overcome it was I started talking like I was a DJ when I spoke like the DJs <laughs> on the right, local yeah. radio show. Right. Suddenly everything just sort of clicked. So I will sometimes overpronounce words, which I'm sure you are more than familiar with, and it seemed to actually do the trick. So I do that to this day. That's cool, and I and I do uh, try to overpronounce and do the same thing. I don't always know what the words mean, but I do <laughs> I do want to pronounce them correctly and make it sound like I at least know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. But but that's fine. But there's one thing that we know exactly what we're talking about, and that's retro geek stuff that we grew up with and we love. I mean, we we if we didn't love it and have a passion for it, we wouldn't do what we do. I mean, you absolutely not. Now, uh, I I thoroughly agree. Well, it, I'm glad you came on the show today, and uh, I'm gearing up. Hopefully, we can do another retro palooza with our buddies, just to uh, I don't know definitely. what the next subject's going to be. But you know what? We never have a problem coming up with what to talk about. Because they asked Gene Ronberry once when he was going to do Star Trek The Next Generation. It's a perfect example. They said, uh, he goes, uh, can you get, you want to do Star Trek again? Are, are there any more stories to tell that you haven't already told? He's like, he's like, 
goodness, yes, we have the whole universe to choose from. There's stories out there that are endless and remembering what we did growing up and things like that and, and coming up. I came up with a show the other day that no one remembered except one guy thought about it. He goes, oh, no, I do remember that. It was a variety show because back in the 70s, you had, you had Donnie and Marie had their show. You had Sonny and Cher had a show. It, you know, a couple people had shows with, with, with people, Tony Orlando and Dawn. It's that formula. You know, maybe have a guy with a couple of girls with him as a host or Sonny and Cher were married for a while anyway. And then you had Donnie and Marie that were brothers sister and brother well there's a show I, don't, I, I bet thrash is going to remember this i don't know about alan but there was a show that came out called pink lady and jeff and he's nodding he remembers that show i got him on zoom here so i can see him mm-hmm. he remembers pink lady and jeff and a couple, a couple mm-hmm. people i was talking to the other day they didn't remember it but once i showed them a clip of it on youtube they're like oh my goodness i remember that it didn't last long but it was that variety show. It was a, it was a, it was a gimmick. It was the guy with the two two uh, two Asian ladies with him. Just that's what they were. That's what they, what it was. Can't remember the the network. Was it ABC or NBC? I can't remember who had it. But um, I want to say NBC, but I'm not 100. Yeah, percent We're going back 40 years. NBC <laughs> NBC always used to be kind of the uh, the redheaded stepchild of the networks. They were the ones that was always floundering in the ratings. They didn't have the. They had some good shows, but it was all be CBS and ABC was number one all the time, and NBC was just kind of back there and i think they finally straightened up in the mid 80s or something like that but um but yeah i love talking about this stuff but what's coming up that you can tease everybody when and where to hear it and listen and chat for you well i believe if we're very lucky i actually have a surprise live chat this coming tuesday which I guess would be the uh, the 28th of February. February. That's right. Yes. February. That's right. <laughs> At 8 p.m. thrash time, or Eastern Standard for the rest of That's the right. Eastern Seaboard. And a uh, topic to be determined. Sometimes I say something. In fact, I'll do it right now. Uh, bring your own topic. Right. Because much like this radio show, I love when you just throw stuff out and I go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And every now and then somebody stumps me, but... It's rare, I must confess. Well, and that'll I, be my, yeah. my next big thing. I always like to have at least some talking points I want to hit on for the show every day. But with Alan and I in here, something will grow and we'll see a squirrel, you know, and get distracted and, and get off topic. But, but we'll circle back around. But it's always going to be something that fits the template of the program. And I always keep it that way. In other words, I'm never going to talk uh, politics or sports on this show because <laughs> I'm like, we've got a billion other radio shows that do that. Why do I want to talk about that? That's like being one stormtrooper of a million. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be just one. I want to talk about something different. And now we have an all, we, we have other guys that talk about nostalgic geekiness stuff you've got dave sudstrom you've got uh you've got uh, pat mccormack of the golden ridge of tv a good friend My of buddies. ours that's right we've got thrash pondo we've got uh, a good friend of ours named james install with it's all geek to me radio out of st louis missouri if you've never heard james he's a great guy and does a great show sundays we're like bookends of weekends i'm on saturday he's on sunday with his show with uh, ktrs 550 up in st louis so we've got it and there's a lot of other guys that i don't have time to mention but they're great folks on youtube i love uh, uh the apolog- unapologetic geek guys on there i love Almost every one of them. I can't listen to every one of them all the time, and some are better than others. But like anything, and uh, I like just being able to come in and at least 
be able to get out there with a radio station that's, uh, we're not all that big of a radio station. We're an old one since 1946. We've been on the air here at WBHF. <laughs> and we just acquired, oh, geez, an FM signal just only a few years ago. We were AM for the longest time, so we went into the FM world. But with streaming now, you can hear us on Pluto if you have a signal. <laughs> you can hear us anywhere you are uh, in the world or uh, uh, no matter where. And with YouTube, you can, you can hear and listen to Thrash Pondo talk about stuff that he does. And I'm glad that you're out there. I'm glad that we get together and talk about what we do. Quick, A quick question for you. If you had Anything. to name your favorite, I'm just going to put you on the spot, and it's hard to do this. I know that. And it could be any genre of television you want. If you had to pick Thrash Pondo's favorite television series of all, kind, all time, which you just you love it no matter what. If you could, you'd transport yourself into the show. I know that can be dangerous sometimes if it's a different <laughs> show, but there's no way you can be killed or anything. What's your favorite television series of all time if you had to pick a number one? If I had to pick one. Just one show. One, I would have to go with The Twilight Zone. It's a good pick. Perfect perfect blend of science fiction and social commentary. That's My two pick. favorite things in the world. Good pick. Uh, right. Yeah, thank you. Thank and you and Alan Sanders just recently let his daughters see the new, the, the old Twilight Zone, and they they discovered it as well and thought it was classic. And uh, that's a that's a great show. I, I'll throw Star Trek in there because I just love the old series. You can't go wrong. Three years, three years on television, but it was great. Well, Thrash, we'll come, come to the end. We're going to say goodbye, but not farewell. I'll always see you out there on YouTube, and you'll see me. And uh, anytime, buddy, stay in contact, and uh, we'll we'll do it again sometime. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Peace. buddy. Have a good weekend. There you go. Thrash Pondo Ponds live on BKN there. Another retro pal. The Tarzan Lone Ranger Adventure Hour will return after In the News and these messages. In the news, a big summit meeting. They were supposed to be discussing economic problems. But President Reagan and six other world leaders also used this week's meeting to get to know each other. We'll be back with a summit in Canada. In the news. Sponsored by the many fine products of General Foods. Time for delicious super sugar crisp, kids. Stealing my cereal isn't fair, so I'll turn into Super Bear. It takes Super Bear Falls to climb Monkey Mountain and rescue Super Sugar Crisp from evil King Coco Monkey. Super Bear! I want that delicious cereal! Have a Super Bear growl instead! Growl! Now, post Super Sugar Crisp cereal as part of this nutritious breakfast. Can't monkey around with this bear. The first electronic football games like these were for only one player. And run. But something was missing. Can I play? Wait your turn. Then along came head-to-head -head electronic football by Coleco. Now we can play at the same time. I'm offense. I'm defense. With head-to-head, -head, you're really in the game. A power sweep. He fights through for the tackle. You pass. He blitzes. Intercepts. This is real competition. Why settle for a one-player game when you can have it all? Play alone, against the computer, or for real competition, play. Head-to-head. -head. Why settle for less? That's a dangerous game you two were playing. Listen to your friend Chris. Those gates are provided as a warning to let you know that it's not safe to cross. We could have been hurt. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle.
Hey, good looking. We'll be back to pick you up later. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air. I want to thank Thrash Pondo for coming on to have a good time with us. Nice guy. Loved communicating with him. All of us retro looking back into the past and the and the nostalgic geekiness crap that we like. And I use crap lovingly. I don't mean it's really crap. Don't get mad at me. But uh, I also uh, want to thank everyone for indulging me in my rant that I, uh, <laughs> I went on earlier. And, uh, and you know what? It wasn't a bad one. I felt that way about uh, censoring um, Doll's work. Like... Uh, Willy Wonka and, and uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Matilda and all the things that he did. In fact, Dean Warmer from the college has some advice about that. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. That's right. So try not to try not to do that, and you'll be a much better world if you just please don't do that in college or trying to uh, censor books and children's books like yeah. that. That's so stupid. That and don't go through life as an enormous, <laughs> ignorant, unread, unread somebody. Uh, Gender-neutral human being, uh, carbon-based, carbon-based unit. Carbon-based. <laughs> But still a little Star Trek, sure. the motion. Sure. Oh, speaking of that, let me let me do this. Speaking of that, do you remember? Um, I can't play any of these clips on the air. It was was it Eddie Murphy? What was his stand up called? Was it was uh, he did one called Delirious and he did one called Raw, right? Raw. Yeah. I think it was Eddie Murphy's stand up uh, called Raw. And he always he made the joke about Captain Kirk and the green chick, mm-hmm. and the dun, music dun, dun, and the music dun, would be playing dun, in the background. Dun, dun, everybody, dun, dun. yeah, everybody is familiar. I mean, come on, I think everybody is familiar with this with this music. It's from Star Trek, the original series. I mean, they even play that music. There's a part in um, there's a part in the. Cable guy. Cable guy when they when were they doing the medieval the, fighting. Uh, medieval at uh, medieval times and do the fight where the same uh, Kirk Jim fighting. Jim Carrey's doing that. Dun, 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 Kirk, dun, dun. Kirk is fighting <laughs> Spock in a mock time. It's the episode where Spock's uh, Ponfar Vulcan thing goes into high gear and he has to fight for his wife and stuff. And it's a uh, um, it, Spock is like the Beastie Boys. Spock has to fight for his right to party. <laughs> the Vulcans party once every seven years, and that's the only time they get to party is once every seven. And it's a great episode of the original series where uh, he has to, they think they've killed Kirk or whatever. But I have this story. The way this all, I'm going somewhere with this, believe me. I'm, I, just I'm bear waiting. with me. Bear with me. <laughs> this is from Chris Kulsek, and I think this is from, is this from Fox News or I think it's from Variety? Uh, uh, Gerald Fried. Star Trek and Gilligan's Island and Roots, this miniseries music composer, passed away at 95. I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. earlier or midweek last week. And he's the guy that wrote that piece of music for Star Trek that you just heard that's been parodied and used. And if I played other incidental music that he's composed for and done, you would you would recognize it. He didn't write the theme to Gilligan's Island, but he wrote some, a lot of the incidental music during the show, mm-hmm. which was overused and used over and over again in every episode. First season, John Williams did that as a, as a young composer for Gilligan's Island. But Gerald Fried did it for the later episodes of Gilligan's Island and the miniseries Roots with LeVar Burton, the Alex Haley miniseries that came out. He was Oscar-nominated. He was also played the oboe and a composer who created iconic fights from Star Trek, uh, collaborated with Quincy Jones on Roots. Uh, and I think the story was... Uh, I'll tell you the story behind Roots later if I can remember. But he was 95 years old. He fr- died Friday of pneumonia at St. Vincent's Hospital in Bridgeport, Connecticut. 
Uh, after meeting Stanley Kubrick on a baseball field in the Bronx in the early 50s, Fried wound up scoring the filmmaker's first four features, Fear and Desire in 1953, Killer's Kiss in 55, The Killing in 1956, and Paths of Glory with Kirk Douglas in 1957. So he collaborated quite a bit with Stanley, in, in Stanley Kubrick's early, early career. Fried also supplied the music. Listen to this library of work, and this doesn't even hit on all of them. Uh, for such cult Roger Corman classics as Machine Gun Kelly from 58, The Crybaby Killer from 1958, I, Mobster from 1959. He also worked with directors Larry Pierce on One Potato, Two Potato, 1964, and The Bell Jar from 1979, as well as very well-known director Robert Aldrich in the uh, movie The Killing of Sis- Sister George in 1968. Now, you remember the... Um, you, you remember that movie, Whatever Happened to Aunt Alice? You remember Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, right? right. Remember that one? This is, this is another movie, 1969. He did a war movie called Too Late the Hero, which is a fantastic score. If you just log on YouTube and look up movie soundtrack Too Late the Hero, 1970, and listen to the orchestra score of that film, and it holds up against anything John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith or anybody else did. It's fantastic score. Now, chances are, if you're a fan of Gilligan's Island work, like we said earlier, and Lost in Space, Mission Impossible, The Man from Uncle, and Emergency on television, Flamingo Road, Dynasty, you have heard Gerald Fried's music. That's some of the TV stuff that he did. He was just all over the place. Now, Fried first worked on NBC Star Trek midway through the first season on the December 1966 episode, Shore Leave. It's the one where they go down to the planet and everything comes true that they start thinking about because they find out there's a robot, super robot society there that will create your thoughts so you can have fun. It's like Fantasy Island, only don't think of anything dangerous because if you think of a tiger, a tiger's going to show up, so mm-hmm. be careful. Um now, the ritual ancient battle, second Kroika that you heard, the little uh, music from Star Trek that I played, uh, score, it uh, dramatizes, it says, a memorable fight to the death on the planet Vulcan, like I said, between Kirk, Shatner, and Spock, Leonard Nimoy. Passages were reused from that episode that Gerald Fried wrote in 18 other Star Trek episodes. They just reused the same music for something that happened over and over again, and, they beca- and it became very familiar. Like, oh, I know right. what that track of music from. That's the, that's the uh, we're in trouble music on Star Trek. Yeah, it plays every time they're attacked. That's the, uh-oh. He said, "He it's said, a life or death fight." He, it's funny. He said uh, in an in a interview in 2003, Fried was quoted as saying, "I started to get royalty checks from The Simpsons." Uh, in a conversation with someone on the TV Academy Foundation website. Uh, he goes, I didn't write any music for The Simpsons. What they did was when Bart Simpson would get angry and cross the living room or something like that, sometimes they quoted that music from a mock time, even on The Simpsons and from uh, The Cable Guy and stuff. Mm. So, you know, anytime you use the music that he wrote, there's a check came in the mail. That's, That's pretty funny. cool. A year after Fried received an Oscar nomination for The Birds Do It, The Bees Do It in 1976, a documentary about the mating rituals of animals and insects, that's the name of this, of that, he won his Emmy for his work on the first episode of ABC's Roots by Alex Haley. Fried did other series like Gunsmoke, Ben Casey, My Three Sons, Mannix, The Flying Nun, It's About Time, and Policewoman, including uh, Dino, 1957, I Bury the Living, which was a horror film, and a Soylent Green from 1973 with Charlton Heston. Wow. He received three more Emmy, Emmy nominations for his compositions for the telefilms The Silent Lovers in 1980 and 1984, The Mystic Warrior he was nominated. And I think the last one he was nominated for at that time was 1987, Napoleon and Josephine, A Love Story. So just a little background on somebody whose music you might be familiar with, but now you, little, you know a little more about the man himself. 
Gerald Fried, music composer for television and movies, Very passed cool. away and lived a long life. Ninety-five is to me a pretty good, pretty good run for a human being. And I'd say I mean, he's left a mark die. on on our our culture. <laughs> and Definitely society. an audio stamp. Yes, that's for sure. Because I still I I hum the incidental music to a lot of Star Trek and Gilligan's Island to this day. You know, I just. Uh, He'll reuse the, the, the Alexander Courage theme or something, or something heroic or happen, and you want to fight, you know, you, you hum the, the fight music from Kirk and Spock fighting just like I played. So great stuff. And I was one of those guys, and talk about Thrash Panda, I'm sure he was too, uh, and we did a hit on it, but uh, I'm, I took note of that as a kid. I'm like, even as a, as, as a kid, I would start reading credits to shows when they come on, and I'd notice the same names, directors, music people popping up from time to time. I'm like, oh, okay, that guy, who wrote the music to this? Because I really like that. I started liking orchestrated stuff at an early age. A lot of people just don't care for it. They're like, they're like, eh, I'm not a big classical music fan. I don't like an orchestra or whatever. I'm like, okay, but you, it's okay not to like it, but... I, how can I not listen to something as beautiful as uh, you know? You really you'd be pop. You went to see them perform the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack live to the film in Atlanta with mm-hmm. the orchestra playing. There's just especially when it's um, separated from the film and you hear it with just the film playing in the background for visual reference. You really take note at what entrance instruments are playing, what passages are playing, and how how much detail is put into character motif themes that go with what's going on on the screen. Ever since we got my dad the double album of the Star Wars score, I have always loved it only because I could relive the movie in my head because we didn't have VHS just yet. We, we didn't, didn't have the ability. Right. So if I wanted to relive the movie, I put on the soundtrack. And I can relieve it every time, listen to it. Some of them are not really great, divorced from the film, separated from the film, but some of them stand on but their the own as musical, as musical uh, pieces. And I've always liked them. I always caught a lot of heck from kids going, why do you listen to that stuff? And I'm like, because I like it. You know, leave me alone. I'm going to the library to listen to it. Nestle's quick chocolate flavor. Today I know I can drink it slow. Oh, bunny, don't you ever give up? So good and rich and chocolate that you can't. Drink it slow, if it's quick. I can't. You can't. I can't. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. I didn't do it on this day in history earlier, so I saved it for this segment. Let's go through it right quick. Today is February the 25th. We like to point out whatever day I'm on the air, which is only once a week, what day it is. And it's day in history. 1950, your show of shows on this day in history with Sid Caesar and Imogene Coca premiered on NBC. And listen to some of the writers who got their start on this show. Mel Brooks, Neil Simon, and Woody Allen worked on that show early in their career. Talk about the genesis of some... Uh, com- comedic mm-hmm. stuff coming up in the, in the in the years to come. Today on this day in history, some NASA, his- NASA history. 1969, Mariner 6 launched for a flyby of Mars on this day back in 69. They were already eyeing Mars back in the late 60s. Today on this day in history, 1981, one of my wife's favorite songs of all time. I mean, when this song comes on the radio or wherever it happens to be streaming or we're hearing it, I have to be quiet, stop talking so she can listen to this song because she loves it so much. It won a Grammy on this day in history, the 23rd uh, Grammy Awards in 81, Sailing by Christopher Cross. What a monster hit that song was for him and that album. Big hit. And she loves that song. I mean, she's just, I have to, I, if I even act like I'm going to say something, oh, nope, I can't say anything. The song's not Had over yet. Had you given me a hundred guesses of that time frame, 81, I would have never picked 
it was sailing a, by Christopher but it was Cross. a giant hit it though. was it was a giant hit well just, you're the you're the metal rock guy i mean you don't you don't really get into that much stuff as much so you wouldn't think of that anyway so but hey if it ever comes on and she's here if it comes on while we're at the radio station we got to be quiet man while she's in here or something that comes on 1982 the final episode of the lawrence welk show airs did it last that it long? lasted that long to 1982 Dear lord Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. 1995, on this day in history, February 25th, Frank, Frank Sinatra, singer Frank Sinatra, performs for the final time before a live audience. He would go on to pass away in 1998. Uh, today, on this day in history, we lost an actor that I was a big fan of. Rest in peace, Darren McGavin from the movie TV film Tribes. He was in Murphy Brown, The Night Stalker. He had a great horror show called The Night Stalker where he played a, a, a newspaper guy investigating monster sightings like mummies and vampires and stuff. And it was a great show. I loved it. It was a cult show, and it didn't last long, near as long as it should have. And, of course, he played the dad on A Christmas Story, uh, Darren McGavin. Great, great actor. Uh, he died in 2006 at 83. Happy birthday today, too. We talked about him early, earlier. Gert Frobe. Uh, German actor, Goldfinger, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The mm-hmm. King, and the uh, and and the respective villains in both those films. He died in 1988. Mm, today is Jim Backus's birthday. Ah, and Magoo, you've done it again, Mr. Magoo. He was in Rebel Without a Cause. He plays James Dean's father in that, I think. And of course, he played Dustin Howe the Third in Gilligan's Island. You know, he had a good time on Gilligan's Island because he had lived a lot of lines on the show, and they just kind of let him do it sometimes. <laughs> he was funny, funny guy. He passed away in 1989, and he wrote two great. Uh, autobiography books and they were fantastic today is one of my favorite Beatles birthday today George Harrison he died in 2001 Uh, I think my favorite Beatles has always been Paul McCartney but I think my second favorite is George George's solo work was great as well including his traveling Wilburys work as well in that super group Uh, you know what who else is who else turned who turned 74 today in the wrestling world Woo! that's your clue Rick Flair. Rick Flair. <laughs> it's 74 See, today. Happy birthday to Rick wow. Flair. That's all you got to do. It's, that was his trademark thing. What trademark saying you want to go? You want to say awesome? Uh, way to go? Thumbs up? No. How about woo? Woo. Yeah, that works. And today is Sean Astin's birthday. He is 52 years old. Wow. Uh, Patty Duke and uh, John Astin's son. Yeah, Sean Astin. He's Lord of the Rings, too, right? old? He's 52. He's my age. He is your old. You're old, man. I'm older than you. We're both old. No, he's not (laughs) not old. He looks good for his age. (laughs) What I'm saying is I never imagined him. And we have have an enigma. We have a conundrum on National Day of. Well, let's do this one first. It's National Sword Swallowers Day today. So, sword swallowers, have fun and knock yourself out. This is a bad choice of words. Take a Tums and an antacid before you swallow the sword. The sword. The father's sword. And today is also National Chocolate-Covered Nut Day today. You know, that's my favorite way to have a nut. It's really cool. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great one. I can read, I have them plain, but, you know, chocolate-covered it all is always fun, right? I can't. Yeah, can't complain. But along with that, it's also Let's Eat Right Day today. How can you have chocolate-covered nut day and Let's Eat Right Day on the same day, hmm. February 25th? That makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. So, Throwing out the garbage. No, yesterday was tortilla day, so I came home That's from right, uh, it was, yeah. running the board, and I said, you know what? Time for some dip. have some chip and dip. It's going to be tortillas chips. and some salsa. Chips. Chips and dip. Let's delve into some classic television here as we talk tick-tock toward the top of the hour and the end of the show. Wow, I'm high. Yeah, I'm thirsty, too. This is a job for Kool-Aid. Hey, Kool-Aid! Kool-Aid here, bringing you Kool-Aid got. There's on the run, get a big, wide, happy ear. 
soft drink mix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's time for some Kool-Aid. Well, I play that for a reason. I have a, I have kind of a, 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 a news extra, newsflash extra that I wanted to get to before it got too late. TikTok challenge drove teens to act like the Kool-Aid man. Have you heard about this stupid no. thing? Another day, another stupid TikTok challenge. Here we go again. This time it involves a group of Long Island teens who allegedly decided to kick down local fences and break through them. Fox News reports that Suffolk County police arrested five minors and one adult, all males, between the ages of 12 and 18. Of course, all males. After a homeowner in Centerreach heard a commotion outside his house around 1 a.m. on Monday. It sounded like the gun going off. Retired corrections officer Charles Domini tells NBC New York, of course, he's an official of some kind. They could just do it at any old guy's yard. Notice that he ran outside and found multiple sections of his fence broken down. Surveillance video showed a group of teens breaking through the fence. Domini called the cops, and they showed up at the residence about three hours later so he could make a statement. As they were talking, Domini again heard clatter coming from somewhere near his fence. Police found the six suspects in the vehicle, called their parents, and ticketed them. Police say it appears at least four other homes in the area were hit by the same perps. Through an investigation that was still underway, both Fox and NBC note that the incidents appear to be linked to a TikTok challenge in which participants try to bust through walls, doors, fences, <laughs> and other structures like the iconic, oh yeah, Kool-Aid mascot who seemed to dominate TV commercials in the 70s and the 80s. He certainly did, as you just heard. The six suspects were charged with multiple counts of criminal mischief and released. They'll next appear in court on March the 6th. Well, we can't wow. wait to see what their defense is. The commercial made us do it. Wait a minute, you're, a, you're the millennials. How do you even know about it? Well, well we saw it. Doing a... Kool-Aid smash TikTok challenge. And, uh, like I said. I, I, I don't, you know, I, my wife makes fun of me. She goes, anytime really you do a project, stupid. you might cut yourself or you might bash your finger. Right. I don't intend to do that. Right. I don't want to go and do something that I'm intentionally going to hurt myself. Yeah. And if I tell you, you know, Alan, there's something going around that people are trying. Do you want to try it? And you're like, well, what is it, BK? Well, it depends. Like, is it a burger? Well, it's, sure. a, gi- well, it's a giant <laughs> tablespoon of cinnamon you just you just you swallow it real fast you're like yeah but if you inhale and, and do something weird it could damage your lungs you could probably die or, or choke or yeah something. if you cough you, on that powder who cares let's do it yeah, no. that's just uh really dumb how about you know the tide pods look really like candy they look tasty <laughs> it's like why would why you know and i i can understand if you're a child like me i told the story once on the air how i accidentally drank bleach at the at the washer that my mom left open, you know that I didn't know what it was, but I was in, I was a little tyke. I didn't know anything. But if you're a teenager and you already know Tide Pods, okay, soap, chemicals, poison, not good for the human body, and you still do it, I'm like, mm, gonna deserve what you get. I'm sorry, I, just, I can't have too much sympathy for you. You know what I mean? Come on, junk, fat, and stupid. You know, they used to do the Darwin Awards, but I don't know if they do that anymore because it's probably insensitive. But there was a reason the Darwin Awards came about. And you know what's funny is even if you go, uh, if you compare somebody, you you act like a monkey or a chimp. I'm like, no, actually, monkeys and chimps are smarter than you are. They wouldn't do that. Right, exactly. (laughs) Don't don't say, oh, that man's an animal. I'm like, don't give animals a bad name. I know a lot of animals that would not do anything like that (laughs) because they know better. No. Jeez. Oh, man. So, like I said, I don't know if you've got the chance to go out to see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp or not, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. 
Uh, I gave it a six and a quarter on a scale of one to ten. Um, Mrs. BK gave it about a two on the scale of one to ten. We had the Paul Rudd story earlier in the program, but it is still out there in theaters and playing. Have you seen the trailer for the uh, the, the sci-fi movie that Adam Driver is in, where they play humans that land on Earth in prehistoric times where dinosaurs, oh. I think it's called, is it 65? 65, it takes 000? place 65 million years ago Six, or something. 65, you're right, yeah. And it's called just 65, I think is what it's called. But it looks interesting. I, I may be in for that. It looks like a pretty ch- interesting... It'd be nice to see somebody do do a completely new, different movie and not re- yeah. try to reboot something. Sci-fi dr- mixed with Jurassic Park with, yeah. the, with the dinosaurs and stuff. It's going to be interesting to Before see where it goes. Before we go, I want to remind you and I'll <gasps> Before be able to talk we go, about it uh-oh. next week. We are going to the Harry Potter exhibit tomorrow. That's right. You are. It's so I'm really looking forward to it. My, okay. Uh, apparently, I may be the only brother in my family that hasn't gone to see it because my brother Danny goes, oh, you're going? Can you pick us up some butter beer from the gift shop? We'll pay you back. It's $10 a bottle, by yeah. the way. <laughs> my other brother said, oh, we loved it. My daughter loved it. Like, yeah. Well, we'll find out if my wife and daughter love it because we're going for her birthday I, I'm going to just say right now, don't see how you're not going to love it because- it's okay. It's not Universal. It's not you're not immersed like in at Universal Studios in Florida or anything. That, that's a different aspect. But this is if you're a, if you're a fan of the films from a filmmaking standpoint, you get to see props, costuming all over mm-hmm. the place, facts, reenactments, things that you can actually put your hands on and do. You can mix potions and press the button, and if you've got the potion right, the little potion uh, vial will light up green. It'll be red, and if it's wrong and stuff. There's a lot of hands-on stuff that you can do, and I love it when you go to a... That's why I love the... uh, the Telus Museum and some of our museums here locally. You know, how usually when you go to a museum, they're like, you can't touch that. Hands off. Can't touch it. I like it when museums have things that you can touch. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can touch that. Play with that. Do this. Do that. Well, and the Harry Potter experience has a lot of that, and you're going to love it. You're going to sign in at the beginning. Use this uh, act- magical bracelet that you can scan on everything you go into, and it'll remember you through the whole thing, and it'll be a personal thing, and you'll see yourself on the Marauder's Map. Look, there I am. I'm walking right there with my name. You'll like it. I didn't spoil too much of it for you, but it's it's going to be fun. I think you'll like it from a filmmaking I'm, I'm standpoint. I'm looking forward to giving you my review. Review it next week, along with everything else we do. And give me a, shoot me a text late tomorrow and tell me what you think. I will. And uh, have fun. Thank Harry you. Potter. Speaking on there, thank you for being here. Listen for me on the podcast, and I'll return next week. So long, farewell, I'll be just saying goodnight. I hate to go and leave this pretty sight. Adieu, adieu, to you and you and you. Goodbye. Goodbye.